0: Readers, Kari here. Just a quick note. You know, life happens. So the video episode to accompany this week's show will come out on Saturday. Please look for it then. And without further ado, let's begin Song of Solomon by Tony Morrison.
1: From the top, from the top, okay. <laughs> a milkman dad was born shortly after a neighborhood eccentric hurled himself off a rooftop in a vain attempt at flight. For the rest of his life, he too will be trying to fly with this brilliantly imagined novel, Nobel Prize laureate, Tony Morrison audaciously transfigures the coming-of-age story as she follows Milkman from his Rust Belt city to the place of his family's origins. Morrison introduces an entire cast of strivers, liars, and assassins, the inhabitants of a fully realized Black world. The book, Song of Solomon. And you're listening to *Let Society. Let's, Let's get, get lit.
0: Lit.
1: And this is Kari. You're listening to Lit Society, a podcast about books and drama. You
0: are. I see you're reading the book jacket today. Now, listeners, you likely know that we write our own uh, synopses, <laughs> our intros, but life happens. It does. And, you and get it get busy, today. And sometimes you got to plagiarize. <laughs> Oh, I don't
1: know I th- if that's the right thing, but we did <laughs> use her words to tell the story. What better way than to have Toni Morrison tell them herself?
0: Wow. Yeah, that's why we did it. Because no sure. one can tell this the synopsis better than Toni can. But I don't As- think she wrote that part. That's probably her. That's okay. Publisher. <laughs>
1: anyway jumping right into it tell me about what you did fun this week or one thing you did for self-care Let's well you see
0: i'm a little darker today you know the dark of the weave the sweet of the juice oh, i don't yeah. know if they say that but oh, they yeah. should i don't know if they say that at all but it's okay a thing now so yeah right. right. that was fun and it was also a little self-care you know a shampoo day what about you what did you do for self-care and what'd you do for fun this week
1: Uh, I did nothing for fun. Um, I'm going to have to keep thinking about that. And for self-care, I've um, been preparing to go back to work. I know it's in the offing. So I've been mentally preparing to get up in the morning, wash my face, brush my teeth. (laughs) Like first thing when I wake up.
0: Wait, when do (laughs) you usually
1: do it? I got, what happened? What? what, What's the what? What you been doing? (laughs) That's none of your business. Okay. That's none of your business. Okay. (laughs) What I do in my boat. Or okay, don't okay. <laughs> All right. So All
0: right. Anyway, you, the point is I'm trying to go back to work. Okay. Do you have I to need go to back get ready. soon? Are you going back to your um, 1,500 square foot office? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: they gave us a kind of a timeline. So in the next couple of months, we might be going back into the office. So. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. cool. Okay. All right. So why don't we jump into Society Says where we share your comments with the rest of our lit society. Kari, is there a comment you thought particularly lit?
0: Yeah. Um, so we've been making an effort to make sure this podcast is everywhere. Everywhere except I'll have to say um, Audible. Facebook, Oh, oh uh, can you have podcasts on Facebook? Also, we oh. don't know really what Facebook is. So let's then say Facebook and Audible right now, but everywhere else you should be able to find us. So that includes Pandora and CastBox. So this week's comment that I thought was particularly lit comes from CastBox. And this comes from someone named Matrix. They said, loved both episodes, referring to the warmth of other suns, which is a two-part oh, yeah. episode. That's a really good one. I love that one, too. And they continue, you are awesome. Thank you. What? Thank you, Matrix. You yeah, make it fun you. to be we in the Matrix. you. In the yeah. matrix, <laughs>
1: yeah. like literally.
0: Yeah, so that's from CastBox. Some of these platforms allow uh, listeners to leave their comments, which I love. So, you know, love that. Um, what about you? Did you? Is there a comment you found particularly lit that you like to share? This is from Polly's Mama. I love Alexis and
1: Kari. I'd never been one for podcasts, but with the pandemic, I wanted to go out of my comfort zone of only listening to music when, I, when on my daily walk. Bingo, I saw Lit Society on a best podcast list and decided to give it a try. Cool, that is that awesome. was in April and I've been hooked ever since. I love the variety of book genres discussed and the framework you use in the podcast. Your humor, honesty and complimentary styles keep me engaged and wanting more. Right now, I listen to you as a snowbird in the Florida Keys, but when I get home to Peoria and when things get back to a more normal- I hope the two of you will have a meet and greet in Chicagoland. I will be there. Who
0: want to meet hey. us? <laughs> hey. well, that's
1: sweet. Thank you. That is sweet. Polly's <laughs> mama. We appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Remember, readers, to have your comments shared, message us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or and we especially love this one. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Please. Do it. And we thank love it. you. We yes. love those reviews. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna, you know, because you know, things happen. We skipping the theme of the week this week, folks.
0: You know, I actually like that because we can kind of talk about our thoughts of the book. Okay, that sounds good. And this and, book needs room for that.
1: <laughs> okay, so now let's discuss. Toni Morrison. I know we talked about Toni Morrison a bit in Sula episode nine during our first season. So if you have any extra information you'd like to share, why don't you share that and any context related to this book?
0: Yeah. Toni had such like a rich life and imprint um, or footprint. I should say that she left on the literary world. There's every time I go digging for something about Toni, I find something new. So, Mm. um, in her forward to the vintage oh so you may remember I told you this is the first book I read in a day I don't know how old I was but I remembered the cover clearly uh-huh. and yeah. I found it on eBay oh very cool yeah that's a, it made me feel so good so I
1: remember that I don't know 12 well, like 13 year old girl it's got wings on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I
0: like that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there it is. Thank you. Yeah, I should show the show the class. That's so, cool. Um, That's cool. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't a crazy expensive book. Um, the list price and it feels like new. By the way, the list price in here is eighteen dollars and ninety five cents. Uh-huh. I think I paid sixteen bucks for it. So that oh, was a cool. deal. Yeah, yeah. So, um, in her forward to the vintage edition, uh, Morrison writes that, uh, she. Used to despise artists who talked about their muses. I don't know if you heard her. I, I I actually watched that video. Mm-hmm. Oh, you did see? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, have you heard? Have you seen that um like kind of docu movie about her? I forget the name of it. Yes, I think it was on Netflix, right, or Amazon. Probably. It's yep. not even that old. I still have Mm-mm. to watch that. OK, so to answer your question that you asked five years ago about the uh, background of Tony in context of the book, she talks about how she doesn't believe in muses and that's stupid. Right. But when her father died, she decided, no, maybe that's a thing. And I yeah. love that because her father saw her in a certain light. First right. of all, he made sure to show all his children that he loved them and he right. gave them special attention that was tailored to their unique personalities and kept a letter that she wrote in his pocket for years. <laughs>
1: Isn't that precious? But he she did he did something special for each one of his children, and it left them feeling like they were each more important than the other one, like his yeah, favorite, and that yeah. was really special.
0: That, yeah, I love that. So if he was your daddy, he'd take you to the library, right. and if I was your sister, he'd take me to go get like... Makeup right. from Sephora right. and, and act like it was the best thing he, you know, ever wanted to do. So yeah, anyway, she says um, her ideas of inspiration were destroyed when she wrote Song of Solomon because her father had recently died. And right. more than she mourned him, she mourned how he saw her. Yeah. That person that he saw no longer existed when he died. Um, and that theme of who you are compared to how people see you is really carried throughout the book. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can see the connection there. Also um, she says that uh, she wanted to break away from what she identifies as a totalizing view. For Morrison, American literature has become totalized as though there is only one version of American literature. Oh -hmm. Oh, yeah, I remember she said that. Mm -hmm. Well her um, her writing is definitely unique. It, no one writes like Toni Morrison. So um, she wanted to give credibility to each character in this book. And without stepping on the end of our show, I will say that I feel like her efforts um, are clear. And she does everything in this book you have to pay attention to because it all relates to the plot. Nothing is just happening to happen. Um, right. All of it is connected. And she tells a very specific African-American, Black-American story uh, really thoroughly. So this is also a more masculine book than the one she wrote before that. I feel like this is her. Oh, I don't want to say nothing crazy, but it might be like her 10th novel or something. Oh, I don't remember. Sorry, I didn't Google it. Um, But she this is the first this is a um, purposeful diversion from a more feminine way of writing, quote unquote, There are dates here that she's following a timeline and a more traditionally masculine style of writing. And so that's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So I wanted to share that little background on a little bit of Tony and the context for this book.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that. Well, why don't you give us a brief synopsis without spoilers before we start our deep dive.
0: This will be very brief. A Song of Solomon is about finding who you are in the eyes of your mother, the home of your father, and the heart of your friends and foes. It highlights the journey of Macon Dead Jr., and it shows like his discovery on this path, the things he discovers on this path, whatever. I didn't finish it. Um, so Alexis, (laughs) I finished the book. I didn't finish the synopsis. Let me be clear. We read our books even when life happens. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So Alexis, uh, yeah. What were your first thoughts of Song of Solomon?
1: So, um, I was, you know, I, you know, you really introduced me to Toni Morrison with Sula.
0: And greens and fried chicken. That's right, friends. Alexis is a fake black. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Come anyway, ignore. that. I love you. I love mean, you. Okay, whatever. I uh, know you I mean- stressed today. Y'all, come on. Let's all give Alexis a little <laughs> audio hug. It's okay, Alexis. This is just a podcast. Stop it. Calm down, girl. Just stop okay. it. She okay. needed that, y'all. Thank you.
1: Go ahead, girl. And then back to my comments. Listen, you introduced me to I had heard of her, but I, the first book I read was Solomon. So I was interested. And you know how I felt about Sula. Excuse me. The first book I read was Sula. and You know, how I felt about Sula. You I was said, a little What confused. black
0: foolishness is this? <laughs> Not quite, but <laughs> this is wild.
1: But, <laughs> I was looking forward to reading Song of Solomon. I thought it was an interesting um title. I actually I'd love to hear your thoughts on the title as it relates to the book and then um yeah, so that's that's what I thought when I first saw it heard that we were going to be reading it. Um what who do you think would actually enjoy reading this book, Kari?
0: I've said this before, but if you're really into character driven novels, um, if you're not looking for actually this has a little bit of action, it's got a lot. But, but really the meat of it, yeah, really the meat of it is the characters. So if you're into um, those type of books where each character has their own world that you have to discover, then you'll love Song of Solomon. OK,
1: well, thank you for sharing you ready to take this deep dive in
0: the Song of Solomon filled with spoilers? I am. And another reason I'm glad we cut the theme is because this is going to be more like a back and forth between me and you. There's a point in this book where I was taking notes and I had to just stop and let them. So the thing with Toni Morrison books, you don't read them. They happen to you. Oh. And so the book started happening to me. And I was like, I ain't going to be able to take notes on this. I need to follow this story. You need to have a mind. conversation. Need to be in a moment.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay.
0: Yeah. So I will lay out uh, more of the start of the book like we usually do. But then mm-hmm. toward the end, let's, let's talk about what's going on here. All right. Part one, a mother's milk. Mm. <sighs> on a street that the locals, the local black people called, not Dr. Street, an insurance salesman named Smith lived. Um, oh, I wanted to read the first line of the book. Hold on. This is this is up. The, this is a way better first line than Rebecca. Like y'all be trying to make me believe. <laughs> ah. The North Carolina Mutual Life Insurance Agent promised to fly from Mercy to the other side of Lake Superior at three o'clock. So this is the thing. <laughs> oh, that was it. Okay. <laughs> if you right. just read it, it's like okay. Listen though. Um, Not only is this an insurance agent, which is a loaded occupation for this character, but he's planning to fly from the South to the North. Um, This is a common path that uh, Black Americans have traveled through the Great Migration. Okay. Um, This book, spoiler alert, someone is actually going from the North to the South to find themselves. So it's like a reverse of that. And she talked about that. I'm not pulling that out of my brain Um, also at three o'clock so this is a very planned flight he plans to take not a planned flight he plans to take sorry for the redundancy there's no plane mentioned he's gonna fly he's gonna Mm -hmm. fly himself because you know sometimes people fly they don't though and it's not gonna end well for him You should know that Dr. Street is now called No Dr. Street by everybody. And at the end of No Dr. Street sits No Mercy Hospital. Okay. (laughs) Obviously, the true uh, name of the hospital, according to, I don't know, the comptroller, is Mercy Hospital and the street is Dr. Street. But because... The man was like, y'all call it Dr. Street because a black doctor lives there. Well, now you have to call it Main Street. So everybody was like, no, we'll just call it not Dr. Street. Right. So they not be writing doctor letters Street. to not Dr. Street and stuff, they, you know. <laughs> so anyway, there's um, there's, of course, pregnant women in the neighborhood, black women, but they're not allowed to give birth inside of No Mercy Hospital real name Mercy Hospital. Sometimes they even give birth on the stairs. That black doctor that the locals named the street after, he doesn't even have hospital rights. And he has white patients and they're like, oh, you have such a like unique practice where I can give birth in your living room. (laughs) (laughs) They don't understand that he cannot go to the hospital, but he's such a good doctor. People at least respect him so much that that hasn't. I mean, I'm sure it's dampened his progress, but he's still a very um, successful doctor. Right. Mm-hmm. So black women were not allowed to give birth right. inside of Mercy Hospital. That is until the day the insurance salesman, Mr. Smith, from that first line that we just read right. of the book, decided to take a flight. Or should I say decided to fly on That's the nice. day Ruth dead on that day, Ruth dead was admitted and gave birth to her son, Macon Dead Jr. Now, how these two um, events are connected, you'll have to read the book. It's, there's a lot of details um, that are very important to the story that I cannot go over for because of time. Um, but how him taking a flight ended in Mercy Hospital admitting its first black black pregnant woman to give birth. Um, yeah, that's the story there. You should also know that Ruth... Ruth dead. Her father is the doctor that the street is named after Ruth dead. Her last name is dead now, by the way, and her dad's a doctor, but her husband's last name is dead. So her name is Ruth dead now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So as the daughter of the area's only black doctor, Ruth's family lived in a large, enviable house with many bedrooms and parlors and bathrooms. Some of the neighborhood women would even avoid company with Ruth because they were like jealous of her wealth. Those women also looked at Ruth's only son as a weirdo. That boy weird, something wrong with him. (laughs) <laughs> because the boy was like quiet, and he just seemed odd to them. Others knew that Ruth was living in a prison, basically, and those women who knew Ruth called the boy Deep. That little boy is Deep. Mm-hmm. And they <laughs> they would sometimes even keep Ruth company before leaving her to the wrath of her husband, Megan dead. At this like, part, of- like tea parties, right? Yeah. Yeah. Little things society women mm-hmm. would do. Um, there was a time when Macon loved and felt passionate. I mean, he had a strong, passionate love for his wife. He really loved that woman. OK. And their so daughters, much. their daughters were proof of this. Um, their daughters, the first being uh, Magdalene, which who they call Lena and the second named First Corinthians. Mm -hmm, That's the girl name, 1 Corinthians. But then one day he saw something that turned his passion for his wife into a fiery hate. More on that later. Macon is now the terror of his family. Never satisfied, demanding, hostile. Everyone lives in fear of him. Ruth's days are filled with very few joys. But one of those joys is nursing her son in a room with green walls. She peacefully nurses her son. He sits on her lap with his feet on the floor. Now if you like, wait a second, how he on her lap and his feet on the floor? I'm gonna give you time. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That boy ain't in diapers. He's in big grown-up pants. (laughs) Yeah, he like five or six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he like does it to please his mom. <laughs> if this is making you uncomfortable, good. Cause that's what Tony wanted. Yeah. So he's doing this to please his mom. He don't even like breast milk like that. <laughs> Cause he, he like, like really, eating
1: chicken now. He was like, this is like not normal. As he a five, He feels six-year-old. like s-
0: something about it isn't normal. Um... But when Mr. Dead goes to work, Ruth unbuttons her blouse and calls her reluctant son to her. As he carefully suckles, she allows her mind to take her somewhere else, anywhere else. These moments so sustaining for her were put to an end when she was caught by a local janitor, the family's tenant. They own multiple buildings and he was coming to pay his rent and he saw through the window her nurse and that big old boy in a scene that made me laugh out loud for 10 minutes. Now, there's pain in this scene, but the janitor is so I know that man. Yeah, I feel like that man's do. in my family. You have to know this man. <laughs> Everybody got this man in their
1: family because he done yes. made a joke out of your um. Misery, essentially.
0: So this is crazy. He is Mm -hmm. cracking up. He is double over. He said, you know, in the South, I heard they do that. So
1: I don't know. You can just picture
0: him going, "Mm, that's, you know, that's different, but y'all different. So it works. (laughs) (laughs) but before then before he can point and laugh in their face when he's just in the window Ruth sees him and her shame like washes over her she stands up quickly and drops her boy on the floor well he just
1: stands up essentially
0: no that boy is on the floor that boy is on the floor with a thud and she won't look down at him and that's an important part because it (laughs) confirms I get it like he could have just been like what but she dropped him like most of his body weight was
1: on her lap he is in a relaxed state now you know you sitting in the lap and being held and stuff I don't want to
0: stay on this scene too much because it is making me uncomfortable but she dropped that big old boy and it confirmed in his mind that, you know what? This is wrong. Yeah. Something about this is shameful. Um, the town then started call, stopped calling her son Macon. And guess what they call him now? Hmm. Uh, Milkman. They call that boy Milkman for the rest of his life and is stuck. Macon Sr. never was told how his son earned such an undignified name. But he guessed quite accurately that it was the fault of the boy's mother and that it was filthy somehow. When
1: Macon Dead got to the front door of his office, he saw a
0: stout woman and two young boys standing
1: a few feet away. Macon unlocked his door, walked over to his desk, and settled himself behind it. As he was thumbing through his accounts book, the stout woman entered alone. Afternoon, Mr. Dead, sir. I'm Mrs. Baines. Live over at number 3 on 15th Street, Macon Dead. Remembered not the woman, but the circumstances at number three. His tenant's grandmother or aunt or something had moved there and the rent was long overdue. Yes, Mrs. Baines, you got something for me? Well, that's what I come to talk to you about. You know, since he left all them babies with me, my relief check ain't no more take to keep a well grown yard dog alive. Half alive, I should say. Your rent is $4 a month, Mrs. Baines. You two months behind already. I do know that, Mr. Dead, sir. But babies can't make it with nothing to put in their stomach. Their voices were low, polite, without any hint of conflict. Can they make it on the street, Mrs. Baines? That's where they're going to be if you don't figure out some way to get me my money. No, sir. They can't make it on the street. We need both. I reckon same as yours does. Then you better rustle it up, Mrs. Baines you got till, he swiveled around to consult the calendar on the wall, till Saturday. Coming, Saturday, Mrs. Baines. Not Sunday, not Monday, Saturday. If she had been younger and had more juice, the glitter in her eyes would have washed down onto her cheeks. Now, at her time of life, it simply gleamed. She pressed the flat of her hand on making Dad's desk and holding the gleam steady in her eyes, pushed herself up from the chair She turned her head a little as to look out the plate glass window and then back at him. "'What's it going to profit you, Mr. Dead, sir, to put me and them children out?' "'Saturday!' Mrs. Baines, lowering her head. Mrs. Baines whispered something and walked slowly and heavily from the office. As she closed the door to Sonny's shop, her grandchildren moved out of the sunlight into the shadow where she stood. "'What'd he say, Granny?' Mrs. Baines put a hand on the taller boy's hair and fingered it lightly, absently, searching with her nails for teeter spots. He must have told her no, said the other boy. Do we gotta move? The tall boy tossed his head free of her fingers and looked at her sideways. His cat eyes were gashes of gold. Mrs. Baines let her hand fall to her side. A nigger in business is a terrible thing to see. A terrible, terrible thing to see. The boys looked at each other and back at their grandmother. Their lips were parted as though they had heard something important.
0: Ooh, his property <laughs> that's what she said. His properties, said. two buildings he owned by 25 years old, were the collateral that gave Macon Dead the courage to approach the most important black man in the city, the doctor, and ask for permission to court his daughter back in the day. What he didn't know and what he never knew was that the doctor was extremely grateful for this suitor to save him from the affections of his daughter. A devotion that made the doctor uncomfortable since the girl, his only child, since her mother died. So it's just the man, it's just the doctor and his daughter, Ruth, in the house now. And he feels like she's too attached to him. She still wants him to kiss her goodnight and she looks so much like Her mother, um, that's just all gross to him. He's Mm -hmm. like, I'm actually suffocating under your love, little girl, and I would love for you to get married and just (laughs) go to to some man somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I should also talk a little bit about Macon Dead's sister, a woman named Pilot. No, no, not the flying type of pilot. I'll tell you. So, their mother, Macon and Pilot, this is going to be confusing if you haven't read the book, maybe. Uh, but just roll with it. You'll be fine. Um, Not you, Alexis, because you read the book. Um, <clears throat> I'm talking to you, listener, who's still listening and ain't read the book. So Macon, dead sister, Pilot. Their mother, Pilot and Macon, their mother died in birth with the girl, with Pilot. And the father was so angry that he named the girl Pilot after Pontius Pilot because he was mad at God for letting his wife die. Pilot, the daughter, is an outcast. Not but just also, because...
1: But mm-hmm. also, this is he like pointed in the book and picked a name and that happened to be
0: it so this is a practice that some people still do they'll close their eyes and allow their finger to just roll the bible because i ain't gonna say nothing but anyway Uh and then they name their kid whatever the finger is on that's how destiny's child got here i don't know if you know that oh i didn't know that is that true yeah that's true that's how they got their group name but anyway um so, Pilot is an outcast, not just because she has a daughter and no husband, and that that daughter also has a daughter but no husband, but because th- all of them, Pilate, her daughter, and her granddaughter, are bootleggers. They are bootleggers. <laughs> they sell alcohol <laughs> and they eat like children, like without any thought for planning or tradition or nutrition. Whatever's around, whatever they got a craving for, they'll eat or whatever. Also, because Pilate was literally, oh, born without a navel. She don't right. have a belly button, y'all. She crawled out of a dead body at birth. Her mother was dead. Mm-hmm. Seemingly marked as not human because she was without a belly button. Right, making dead is ashamed of his family's foolish names, starting with dead, first given to his family because some careless white clerk made an error. And then their father, grand, great grandfather never changed it. And then his read. sister. Hmm. Because he couldn't read. But even when he found out what it was, he didn't change it, which right. he could have. Um, and then his sister. Because his wife named, liked it. he said It was cute. And then um, Macon's sister named after the man who condemned Jesus to death. Then his son, Milkman. <clears throat> Macon is like, can we have some honorable names in this family, please? And Macon did have once loved his sister dearly, by the way. Yeah. Um, but respect and status meant more to him than anything. And she threatened both. So he hated her. Part two. Everything bad that ever happened to him happened because he couldn't read. One day, Milkman snuck off to visit his Aunt Pilot for the first time. A boy from school named Guitar said that he knew her. The woman wasn't pretty, Milkman thought. But once he saw her, he was intoxicated by her. Everything about her was interesting. And, and she was... Um, co- she had the type of personality that he hadn't seen anywhere else in his world. Uh, the way she spoke, even her, um, stature, yeah, her yeah. stature. He was like, you as tall as a man. Like, that can't happen. But anyway, <laughs> you know, Milkman really world, sheltered. It didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She was tall like his father and spoke with grit in her voice. She was interesting yeah. and they hung on to her every word. It was his aunt who told Milkman how his grandfather, Pilot and Macon's father, died. When his dad found out that Milkman had gone to see his bootlegging auntie, The daddy was furious. Macon was furious, but he filled in the gaps in Pilate's story about their father. So Pilate had told Milkman, your grandfather, I watched him get blown five feet into the air. Uh, Macon, though, told his son that his father worked hard on land until white people tricked him out of his land and took everything from him, including his life. Mm -hmm. Macon's father was born a slave, but he earned his own place, his own farm, and Macon loved his father. Both parents he loved, his father and his mother. So this man that Milkman sees is so evil, his dad, actually came from a household that was full of love and hard work. So uh, one day his father, Macon's dad, Milkman's granddad, was sitting on a fence waiting for the men who tricked him. So he was going to get them, I guess. But those men came from behind him and shot him. Again, according to Pilate, five feet in the air. Those men made orphans out of Macon and Pilate. And Pilate says that um, it was at this point that the two of them, her and her brother, began living in the woods. Everything bad that happened to his father, Macon reasoned, happened because that man couldn't read. Because his dad couldn't read. It was because he couldn't read that he allowed a clerk to register his name as dead. Passing the name on to his children for generation, uh, for generations. And then it was his illiteracy that got him shot. But from his father, Macon learned the importance of owning things and owning other things with the things you own. So if you own enough things, you can even own people. And that was the lesson he was going to teach Milkman. Mm-hmm. Property, real estate. <sighs> so Anyway milkman and guitar remember guitar is the boy from school he's like a little bit worldly he knows things milkman is you know privileged and and he's also stupid
1: about five years older to, than him also. oh he's older too yeah.
0: okay okay all right so they go to this bar during school hours and a man <laughs> named feather is like i guess this is where guitar usually goes and gets his beer but feather looks at milkman and is like you can't come in here with him and, and um, guitarist like, what you mean? Milkman is with me. He's like, I don't care who he with. I know his daddy. So this is the thing. Everyone hates Milkman's dad because he owns property and he's ruthless and they all owe him money. And it's just terrible. And then Tommy, um, another character in the book who I should I go into. So. I'll just briefly touch on this. After Guitar and Milkman leave that bar without beer. Remember, they are supposed to be in school. Yes. They said because they can't get a beer. <laughs> right. A man named Tommy, a very wise man, <laughs> talks to them for what feels like five hours about other stuff they ain't going to have in life. <laughs> uh, baked Alaska, for example. That's <laughs> you right. Know? privilege uh, prestige you ain't never gonna have that either so, a joy a so good woman you, you ain't beer. gonna have that either <laughs> basically tommy is telling them y'all two are like um <laughs> a little scoundrel children and you ain't gonna have a lot in life the way you going so just you know this beer it's that okay. you missed out ain't on no this mm-hmm. is the least of your troubles okay so guitar shares with um Milkman, as they're going through their day, still said that they couldn't get beer. Uh, (laughs) Why he doesn't like sweets. Guitar doesn't have a sweet tooth. And Milkman's like, everybody likes sweets. Why don't you like sweets, uh, Guitar? And Guitar tells him that he doesn't like sweets because on the day that his dad got ripped in half while working on a saw, the owner of the factory came by the house with, I think, $40 for his mother. Mm-hmm. And a bag full of candy. So he had lost his dad. And this was the compensation. 40 bucks and some, a bag full of candy. That's all they were ever going to have. Mm. And so candy reminds him of dead people and white people. That's what he says. Ever since his father got sliced up, that's all candy makes him think of. Um, moving on. Macon is thrilled that his son, as he's growing... Remember, his son is milkman. His son is working for him and um, okay. really becoming like his son instead of his wife's son. Right. So, Macon is like, you know, he hates his wife, Ruth, and he knows that this nickname, Milkman, comes from her somehow. And it's his determination to never allow his boy to be his, to be a mama's boy. He wants right. him to be his, you know, father's boy, if that's a word or a phrase. So, anyway. That seems to be happening as he grows in the real estate business. The last time, though, Macon slapped his wife. Oh, by the way, Macon doesn't just hate Ruth. He beats her. So when Milkman is 22 years old and his father stands up to slap his wife, Ruth, uh, Milkman stands up to his father and slaps him against a radiator. On that day, Ruth told a story that her daughter was convinced Ruth contrived and performed for the sole purpose of getting her husband to hit her. They're sitting at a table. Who's sitting there? It's a lot of characters. Sorry. The man his wife, Ruth, <laughs> uh, First Corinthians, Lena, and Milkman. They're sitting at the family table for dinner. And then Ruth goes, I went to this funeral. And um it was in a Catholic church and I took communion because that's what she's supposed to do, I guess. And then afterward the priest told me that only Catholics are supposed to take communion in a Catholic church. But right then the um oh it wasn't a funeral, sorry, it was a wedding. <laughs> but then Oh, that's right. The it was mother, her daughter's wedding. Mm-hmm. Or the the sons, the the son was her the groom was her son.
1: So right oh, then save my son. the
0: the mother of the groom introduces Ruth. These are white people, by the way. Uh, so there's some status here. Introduces Ruth as the daughter of the doctor that saved the groom's life. We wouldn't even have a wedding if it wasn't for this woman's father. Mm-hmm. All making can think was dummy. You thought you could take communion in a Catholic church and you ain't even Catholic. This is all <laughs> quite funny until he hits her. And then it turns wrong really quick. Well, after seeing his mom get hit for 22 years, Milkman stands up to his father. But as soon as he does... You know, he hit his father and he don't hate his father. He's maybe a little scared of him, but it hurt him to hurt his father. And then he looked in his sister's eyes and they always seemed like one person. That's how much he cared about them. (laughs) (laughs) But in that moment, their hate for him, for Milkman, for hitting their father was so specific. They, for the first time, became two individual people. (laughs) So he did this gallant thing, but no one appreciates it. Yeah, not the (sighs) mother. Not the
1: his sisters and his sisters are like many years, double digit years older than him. Also,
0: yes, because he came after that love that the couple shared right. was long gone. Yeah, that's a good point. So y'all, um, he goes up to his room and then he gets a knock on the door and his father is there. He like. I don't know what to do. I don't know what you think you're going to do, but let me just apologize and let's forget this ever happened. Yeah. And Macon's like, no, if you're going to be big enough to hit me, you got to have some knowledge behind that fist. And so he proceeds to tell him about um his mom. <laughs> Dramatic pause. <laughs> Insert here. <laughs> so Macon sits down Milkman and tells him, Do you know who your mother is? Mm. Your mother's father never liked me and I have to say I was very disappointed in him. He was just about the biggest Negro in the city, not the richest, but the most respected, but a bigger hypocrite never lived. Kept all his money in four different banks, always calm and dignified. (laughs) I thought he was naturally that way until I found out he sniffed ether. Negroes in this town worshiped him. He didn't care about them though, called them cannibals. He delivered both your sisters himself, and each time all he was interested in was the color of their skin. He would have disowned you. I didn't like the notion of his being his own daughter's doctor, especially since she was also my wife. Mercy wouldn't take color then. Anyway, Ruth wouldn't go to any other doctor. I tried to get a midwife for her, but the doctor said midwives were dirty. I told him a midwife delivered me, and if a midwife was good enough for my mother, a midwife was good enough for his daughter. Well. We had some words between us about it. And I ended up telling him that nothing could be nastier than a father delivering his own daughter's baby. That stamped it. We had very little to say after that, but they did it anyway. Both Lena and Corinthians, they let me do the naming by picking a word blind, but that was all. Your sisters are just a little over a year apart, you know? And both times, he was there. She had her legs wide open and he was there. I know he was a doctor and doctors not supposed to be bothered by things like that. But he was a man before he was a doctor. I knew then they'd gang up on me forever, the both of them. And no matter what I did, they managed to have things their way. And so there's also an investment that he wanted to um, take advantage of right. involving a railroad. And he asked his father-in-law for money and his father. Oh, no, he asked his wife to ask his father-in-law for money. Mm-hmm. And she said the decision would have to be up to him. She said that to her own husband, making things. So he's like, "Who are you married to? Me or the doctor or your dad?" You know. Mm. So then the doctor gets very sick because apparently he had been abusing some type of painkiller, and everyone knew it. Ether. Yep. So everyone knew it, but they still respected him as a doctor. But eventually, that habit started to eat away at his body, right. and the day he died. Uh, Macon says he walked in on his wife, laying in the nude next to her father with the dead man's fingers in her mouth. That sounds
1: disgusting.
0: That's what Macon says. And so um, he's saying this to Milkman, his son, and Milkman's like, what am I supposed to do yes! with this information? Why did you... I don't know why
1: you and mom don't like, why you don't like mom, but I don't really need to know that information.
0: And you telling me this don't help none. I don't need it. So Macon wants his son to know that there is something um, incestuously obscene about his mother, about Ruth, about the woman that Macon married. Milkman is like, I need to, he stands up, he goes, I need to breathe some different kind of air. (laughs) And he walks out the house (laughs) and he thinks, Oh, my family is strange. All of them, weirdos. (laughs) (laughs) It was then as he's walking that he remembers a room with green walls. It's a room for nursing. And he remembers laughter, uncontrollable laughter. Someone was laughing and his mother was shamed. His mother was ashamed. But why? Oh, because she dropped a nursing child. But it wasn't a child. It was a boy old enough to walk and talk and wear pants and, instead of diapers. And the boy was him. And that's why they call him Milkman. It all comes back to him now. And he reasons maybe what my father is saying is true. Milkman begins to wonder if there was anyone in his life who liked him with purity, who, who wasn't obscene. He began hastily looking forward uh, to seeing guitar, his friend. Surrounded by men, he finds a guitar in a bar, I think, with the television blazing. And they're looking at the story of a black boy from the North who was killed in the South. It's on the news. They say that the boy um, whistled at a white woman and refused to say that he didn't. So he was lynched. That boy's name was Till, Emmett Till. Ugh. A heated back and forth starts between the men in the bar. Some are kind of blaming the boy for not playing by society's rules, by white people's rules. Others are like, um, you know. He was too wh- young. He wouldn't have known. He's no, from the North. Yeah, he was a child. Yeah. And this is completely wrong. Mm-hmm. So this heated back and forth starts. And then they start trading their own hor- horrific tales. How society has walked all over them. And then that all distills or dies down into laughter because this is a coping mechanism. They start telling jokes and they're like, man, that happened to you. You never believe what happened to me and my mama. (laughs) And then they're like, yeah, society is terrible. (laughs) Um, And in that laughter, uh, guitar is like processing in his mind. You get the feeling here that guitar doesn't have. You know he doesn't have a father, but there's no um, authoritative figure in his life leading him. But these men, Mm -hmm. and this is the lesson that he's getting from them, that this is what society does. And he's not getting it just from them. He's getting it from society because it's the truth. Um, So in this world, being black is reason enough to die, according to some. (sighs) With all of that weight, with uh, Milkman got the story of his mom on his shoulders and then guitar has... And Mateel in his mind and heart, they go into a bar. This is a bar that's a great time around midnight, but it's 830 in the afternoon and ain't nobody there. And Milkman is like, I just needed to see you, Guitar. I just needed to see your face. Because remember, he's like, who in my life is normal and who loves me for me without being weird? So, you know, accurately, Guitar guesses everything that's wrong with Milkman. In a vague sort of sense, he's like, "Uh, what's wrong with you, Milkman? Milkman's like, I can't tell you. Come on, Milkman. We in this bar. You might as well tell me. I hit my dad. Oh, let me guess. You know, that's really rough. You hit your dad. But let me guess. No one's happy you did that. (laughs) Not your mom, not your sisters. (laughs) And now you kind of feel like what you even do it for. It was the right thing to do. But was it worth it? And he's like, yeah, yeah, man, that's exactly it. You know, let's just take a quick break. Come back. Sounds good to me. Finish the second half. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. And we're back. Woo! <laughs> be quick. Okay. So, Alexis, let's talk about Hagar. Now, Hagar is Pilot's granddaughter. Pilot has one daughter named Reba, and Reba has one daughter named Hagar. Hagar, when Milkman is 17, as you helped me realize, because I thought he was 12 when this started. I was really disgusted. But he was 17 when Hagar, Milkman, first cousins, form a Jane Austen-ish relationship. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is okay that's yeah. true that's so true. they're kissing cousins now the thing about uh, hagar pilot and pilot's daughter reba <laughs> pilot reba and hagar is that they're generous people and not they're not giving constantly to others because they want something in return they're genuinely thoughtful caring loving women so they'll Damn. give you the shirt off their back if they have it but one day, Reba's boyfriend, and she has a few, um, decides that she's holding out some money from him. She done gave him all the monies. Because she'd give you the shirt off her back. But he decides she's holding out on him, and he's going to hit her. And so from inside the house, while that's going on in the backyard, Hagar, the, uh, Reba's daughter, and Pilot um, are in the house. Right. And Hagar goes, hey, Grandma. Um. I think that man mad at my mama, and he gonna hit her. And Pilot calmly goes and gets the knife. Pilot looked up from a fourth grade geography book she was reading
1: and closed it. Slowly, it seemed to Milkman, she walked over to a shelf that hung over the dry sink, put the geography book on it and removed the knife. Slowly still, she walked out the front door. There was no back door and as soon as she did, Milkman could hear Reba's screams and the man's curses. It didn't occur to him to stop Pilot. Her mouth was not moving and her earring flashed fire. But he did follow her, as did Hagar, around to the back of the house where, approaching the man from the back, she whipped her right arm around his neck and positioned the knife at the edge of his heart. She waited until the man felt the knife point before she jabbed it skillfully about a quarter of an inch through his shirt into the skin. Still, Holding his neck so he couldn't see but could feel the blood making his shirt sticky, she talked to him. Now, I'm not going to kill you, honey. Don't you worry none. Just be still a minute. The heart's right here, but I'm not going to stick it in any deeper. Because if I stick it in any deeper, it'll go straight through your heart. So you have to be real still, you hear? You can't move an inch, because I might lose control. It's just a little hole now, honey, no more than a pin scratch. You might lose about two tablespoons of blood, but no more. And if you're real still, honey, I can get it back out without no mistake. But before I do that, I thought we'd have a little talk." The man closed his eyes. Sweat ran from his temples down the sides of his face. A few neighbors who had heard Reba's screams had gathered in Pilate's backyard. They knew right away that the man was a newcomer to the city, otherwise he would have known a few things about Reba, one of which was that she gave away everything she had, and if there was a cast quarter in that house, she'd have given it to him. And more important, he would have known not to fool with anything that belonged to Pilate, who never bothered anybody, was helpful to everybody but who also was believed to have the power to step out of her skin, set a bush afire from 50 yards, and turn a man into a ripe rutabaga, all on account of the fact that she had no navel. So they didn't have much sympathy for him. They just craned their necks to hear better what Pilot was telling him. You see, darling, that there is the only child I got, the first baby I ever had. And if you could turn around and see my face, which of course you can't cause my hand might slip, you'd know she's also the last. Women are foolish, you know, and mamas are the most foolish of all. And you know how mamas are, don't you? You got a mama, ain't you? Sure you have, so you know what I'm talking about. Mamas get hurt and nervous when somebody don't like their children. First real misery I ever had in my life was when I found out somebody, a little teeny tiny boy it was, didn't like my little girl. Made me so mad I didn't know what to do. We do the best we can, but we ain't got the strength you men got. That's why it makes us so sad if a grown man starts beating up on one of us. You know what I mean? I'd hate to pull this knife out and have you try some other time to act mean to my little girl because one thing I know for sure whatever she done she's been good to you. Still, I'd hate to push it in more and have your mama feel like I do now. I confess, I don't know what to do. Maybe you can help me. Tell me, what should I do? The man struggled for breath, and Pilot eased up on his throat, but not his heart. Let me go, he whispered. Hmm. Let me go. I will never put a hand on her. I promise.
0: It's right after the end of this episode that Milkman and Hagar form a relationship. Um, While all of this is going on in the foreground, in the background reader, uh, you find out that there are murders happening around town, Uh, random murders, white victims, and no one really knows why. The only thing connecting these murders is the fact that there are murders because few things happen in this town. So for this to be happening, happening semi consistently, they must be connected. But that's all they got they have no clues. And there is a legend.
1: Yeah, and they're not um very close together. So it's not like one happened last week Saturday and one happened two Saturdays before. It's not like that.
0: Right. Right. So there is this legend that um a woman that's in a madhouse breaks out every once in a while, kills someone <laughs> and goes back in, but there's no way to that. So, so in my mind I'm like, who the murderer? But Alexis, you never had I mean this book at this point is now it has gone from a drama to a full-on murder mystery. But you so don't the, feel like it was a mystery?
1: No, I don't feel like it was a mystery. I feel like the people knew who was doing the murders already, even when but they did identified you know, as the reader. As I knew it was a black person uh, based on that, the idea that um, remember, they say they saw the black guy running away. Yes, i about his shoes looked yeah. black.
0: And it was um, a little detail that didn't seem to be purposely given yeah. by the talker. And, yeah. And so
1: I didn't feel like that was like really in question. like. But you didn't know who it needed, was, did you? Right. No, I didn't know. So I didn't feel mystery? like it was something that needed to be figured out.
0: I oh, you were like just like, it's dying.
1: Yes. Okay. That was a sto- part of the story. So, Meanwhile,
0: I'm like, is it the town drunk Freddie? Who is it? Oh, no. Nope. Well. Okay. So I'm really trying to figure out who did it by this point. <laughs> so just keep that in your mind. There are murders happening while all everyone's story is going on. Right. Um, right. So... Back to Hagar and Milkman. Hagar is so plentiful with her love of Milkman and so consistent that he is bored of his cousin. And he breaks it off. Um, He's in a conversation, by the way, with Guitar one day. And Guitar is like, why would you ask me that the day before you die? And it's weird as a reader because you're like, because I'm talking about. Right. And I'm trying to figure out the murderer. So I'm like, Guitar gonna kill Milkman. (laughs) But no, no. Guitar knows that Hagar is going to kill Milkman one of these days because we find out Hagar is just always trying to kill Milkman. <laughs> That's what right. she does now. She hunts him and tries to kill him. And he's tired of running because he's also tired of his family, um, yeah. including his cousin Hagar.
1: <laughs> so uh, she is his family. Yeah, it's really She's gross. Been trying to
0: kill him for the past six months. <sighs> he's got that weird mom or does he? So while he's laying around waiting for Hagar to kill him, um, he thinks about the day he followed his mom, finally. So Ruth, um, dead, Milkman's mom, leaves the house sometimes and no one knows where she goes. And that used to anger her husband, who's already violent. But now everyone's just kind of gotten used to it. Right. But Milkman decides to follow her one day. He follows the bus that she catches um, in a car, you know, a few blocks back. And then he follows her to a train station, boards the train and follows her to a cemetery in another town where I think she's like laying on a grave.
1: I don't know. I don't know. But okay. I guess you would if you just talking to the grave. I don't she even know if she was chair. talking to it. Yes, she said she, she what? would go to talk to her father. She did say that.
0: So it's her father's grave, I mean. you yeah. guys. So um, she's coming out the grave and um, Milkman goes, Mama. <laughs> she goes, <"Ugh." laughs> yes. You know the situation
1: when somebody startle you and you're yes. expecting and them it's to dark. pop up. Mm-hmm. It's and it's she... Mind you, it's like three o'clock in the morning. Because she does this in the middle of the night.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Milkman goes, well, I guess daddy was right. You are truly crazy and right. gross. And, you know, I hate you a little. Um, and so Ruth decides to tell Milkman her truth. yeah, The truth about her and her father's relationship. This is why you can't trust none secondhand. So she tells her son, listen, um, It is true that I loved my father very much. He's the only person in my life that ever cared about me, that ever asked what I thought, how I felt. He's the only one who cared about me. And this is kind of mirroring maybe Tony's relationship with her father. Um, Because when he died, when Ruth's father, the doctor, died, she saw that there was no one else in her world that cared about her. Not her husband, (laughs) even though the husband, you know, was still loving her a little then. He he didn't genuinely care about the type of person she was. Her father, the doctor, although he had his faults, he was addicted to ether. um, He was a caring person. He would buy flowers. He, you know, he was thoughtful, at least to her. And he saw her, who she was. So when he died, no one else had that relationship with her. And so Milkman is like, yeah, but when he died, um, you laid next to him new and put his fingers in your mouth.
1: And she look at him like,
0: please don't repeat that, son, because you sound stupid. (laughs) You is not the brightest bulb in the lamp, (laughs) is your boy? (laughs) And so she goes, "Uh, no. However, I was in my slip. And yeah, to see his body white from sickness and wasting away. I kissed his hands, those hands that cared so much about me. Um, and then Milkman is like, okay, well, that might be okay, but you nursed me and I was too old. And she was like, I prayed for you too. What harm did I do to you on my knees praying for you? And so in a moment, all of this um, gross uh, um, perversion that his father had painted, perhaps because of his own um, anger or grudge with not getting the investment money from the doctor, um, having the doctor um, birth, birth his, his daughter. Daughters, yep. When he opened the door and saw his wife in her slip kissing her father's hands, in his mind, she was N- completely naked and the fingers were in her mouth. It was over the top, egregiously disgusting. And he decided yeah. to hate her from that moment on. Cause that's truly what he saw because yeah. that's all his h- hatred for her would let him see. Right. Um. But the truth was much more innocent. And in a second, when milkman hears his mother's side of the story, which he should have probably asked for to begin with, but whatever. Um, everything becomes more clear and he no longer understands how he feels about anyone in his family. Mm -hmm. Is his father a liar? Not really, but kind of, and his mom is just kind of pathetic now to him. But this uh, grotesque thing that he had saw her as um, even incestuous just wasn't true. And in hindsight, kind of ridiculous to believe. Mm. So he's thinking this while he's laying in bed, waiting for his first cousin, who he used to go out with to kill him. <laughs> and so Hagar comes in. She's like, I got you. And he's like. OK,
1: I'm really like, literally laying in bed, like with his back to her and waiting for her to bring the knife down. Let's get the show started. But she, but can't she do does, it. doesn't she? She clips him a little bit. But then when she brings it back up, she can't do it again.
0: Is that what happened? Well, yes. I know, she was stuck with her hand in yep. the air and a knife. And he got like up and... <laughs> <laughs> he got up, walked out of the room, and she was stuck like that for weeks till Guitar came back. Because it was Guitar's room that they were in. And Guitar's like, man, you're beautiful. This is sad. <laughs> this is really pathetic. Uh-huh. Yeah, so... That happened Um, when Ruth Milkman's mom finds out that Hagar has been running all over the place trying to kill her boy. She confronts Hagar and Hagar has like this respect for her as the woman of the man she loves. But she tells Ruth, you know, he's my home, your son. He's my everything. He's my home in this world. And Ruth goes, and I am his because it kind of seemed like Ruth wanted to jump her, Right. It does. She went there to charge her up for sure to charge her up and pilot walks in while this conversation is happening and reminds them that he wouldn't give anything for either of y'all. <laughs> that boy is selfish <laughs> and a little slow. So, let's stop this foolishness.
1: Y'all not um, worth anything to him.
0: Mm-mm. As much as y'all putting into your feelings for this man, this man don't care nothing about you, his mom, or you, his first right. cousin who, yeah. Um so Milkman is not without Uh, financial uh, stability, but he's stifled by his family, by their weirdness, (laughs) their grudges, hates, and unmerciful existence. Uh, By now, his father even depends on him to carry on the real estate business, the family real estate business. And this adds to Milkman's um, anxiety. So remember when he kind of was feeling like this before he went to see guitar because he had to look in the face of someone who loved him purely. Right. So he goes to see guitar and guitar is like, hey, you know, the murders that's been happening all over town. It's me. (laughs) (laughs) It me. So um, guitar belongs to a group of men, vigilantes known as the seven days vigilante group. And what they do is if a black person is unjustly killed, they Um, do what they consider to be evening out the score and they just kill a random white person who fits the description of the black person that was killed. So for example, Emmett Teal was killed and so a white boy was killed. um, I don't know if it was soon after or how they, how soon they do it. Um, But you know about the girls in the church that were killed. And so that happened on a Sunday. So all the unjust killings that are done to black people on a Sunday, Guitar has to vent avenge. So it's his Good. job to now kill uh, little, gr- little white girls on a Sunday. He's the Sunday man. Yeah. There's like a Monday man, a Tuesday man, so on and so forth. That's why they're the seven day vigilante group. Um, and guitar's reasoning is that they are an unnatural, they are an unnatural people. And so we have to balance the scales. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the milkman is like, if and, and this is the one time where I'm like, milkman, you got a little bit of sense. So <laughs> milkman tells him, if you can kill someone because of their race, you can kill because of anything. You don't see me as milkman. You see me as a Negro. That's the only reason you ain't killing me. And then um, guitar is like, no, because I'm not unnatural. And Milkman's like, hey, you could change your mind one day and I won't be Milkman to you, even though we've known each other forever. And, I, and maybe you'll start killing Negroes too. <laughs> if right. you can kill, you can kill, period.
1: <laughs> and you're like, the killer. It's old people running this organization now. But as soon as they die out and younger ones come in, they're gonna say, let's change the rules here. We're gonna yep. add some more people to this killing routine.
0: Yeah, and um, something we didn't go over is that there's a man named Porter. Is that his name, Porter?
1: Yeah, Yeah. there's a Porter. Mm -hmm. So
0: when Macon Dad was walking home one day from work, he, or no, he went to Porter's house to get his rent. Right. (laughs) And Porter was drunk and crying Mm -hmm. and um, peeing out the window on women's heads below and (laughs) he wouldn't give Macon his money. But then he eventually passed out and Macon got his money. Well, Porter had temporarily lost his mind because he's a seven-day vigilante member. And he, you know, (laughs) they kill out of love, they think. And he was telling, um, God, I can't take no more of this love. Give me some hate. I'm so sick of this love. Mm. Um, Also, the insurance agent at the very beginning of the story that did take that flight, he jumped off a building. He was also part of this group. And he lost it. So what they try to do when a member of their group is like losing it because of the stress of the job, um, they try Let's to take care job. of him before mm-hmm. it goes as far as it did with the insurance salesman. And he jumps off a building.
1: Yeah. They give him some time off. hmm. Exactly. They give I'll time take off. your day. HR. Mm-hmm. You know, time off. It's Just a full it
0: organization. hmm. So um, now next time Milkman sees his father Macon dead, Macon tells him uh, more about the way that their father truly died. So um, it's true that Macon and Pilate saw their dad sitting on a fence and then get shot to the point where he was blown five feet into the um, sky And then they had to start living in the woods, living in abandoned buildings. Um, They did live with a couple families, but that didn't last forever or people would try to misuse them. Um, And then one day they decided to take cover in a cave as children, orphans. Um, While they're in the cave, in the back of the cave, there is a white body that Macon in his mind remembers coming toward him. So he stabbed it to death. And when he looked again at the face of the body, it was his father's face. Um, Mm. Pilot also saw the body and and recognized it to be their father, their father that was shot. I get that. Yeah, that was already supposed to be dead. Okay, Um, I didn't get that. Mm -hmm. Also in the back where uh, where the man's body was were gold nuggets. So pilot and Macon have a fight. Macon leaves the cave for three days. And when he comes back, I think both the body, but definitely the gold is gone. Okay. And I I, I feel like the body was still there.
1: So um, I don't feel like that because of the bag, but I could be wrong. But then what about, well, maybe you'll get to this
0: part. You're okay. Okay. Get to but this bring part. it up. Bring it up. Okay, Cause okay. you corrected me. I can't remember <laughs> everything. Thank you. So, so. <laughs> So uh, making Dead is like, I think that gold is at my sister house, Pilot. And I want you to steal it, Milkman. And Milkman doesn't really put up a fight. He's like, okay, I'll steal it. And maybe he's like, you know, with this gold, I can get away from my family. Right. (laughs) But um, it is shocking because he has affection for Pilot. But he's willing to steal from her. Yeah. And he hires, Milkman hires Guitar as his accomplice because he still loves Guitar, even though Guitar is up murderer um and guitar is like yeah i'll do it <laughs> for for sure twice also because yeah. guitar needed some money to handle his next assignment yes yep yep so milkman enlists guitar into this mission and the two pay a visit to the house of the three women pilot reba and um hagar pilot unbeknownst to them is watching as they break into the home because she's smart and still a bag <laughs> she's very smart. Let's take a break from the boys and let's talk about the girls. Get into it, Milkman's sisters. First Corinthians, yes, that's still her name, and Magdalene, who everyone calls Lena. It was assumed that they'd marry wealthy doctors. Um, in fact, First Corinthians went to college in France um, and came back very cultured, um, maybe too cultured for the men in her class, because um. At 42, she woke up and realized she was still single. Mm-hmm. Ooh, boo-hoo. And she was overqualified for any husband she knew or any perspe- per, um, possible husband. So she began working as a maid for a white woman who hired her because the woman liked the poetry of her name, First Corinthians dead. She thought, that's your name? Ooh, it'll okay. be so fancy for you to be my maid. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as our first corinthian first corinthians is taking the bus home one day a man starts watching her and the next day she takes the bus home he's still watching her um and one day he drops a letter in the seat be- beside her and the poetry is actually pretty beautiful to me <laughs> do you remember it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what was it do you remember friendship
1: is an outstretched hand a smile of warm devotion I offer both to you this day with all the heart's emotion.
0: That was cute. It is. So she is. (laughs) So she, thank you for reading that, for finding it and reading it. Um, So she learns that the man's name is Porter. That's right, y'all. The same Porter that had uh, urinated out of a window when her dad went to collect the rent. But she don't know about that. Also, yeah, he's a seven day vigilante. She don't know that either. Um, So they began seeing each other like teenagers out of the gaze of her family, um, out of their eyesight, especially her father. He explains to her, though, Porter does, that he wants a woman, not a doll, too afraid to speak up to her father. He wants someone strong. Um, They're in their 40s. Come on. So Mm -hmm. Corinthians tries to think of any woman she knows who's not a doll, who, who seems like a real woman, not her mother. Not her mother's friends. They all kind of seem like dolls. So she tells Porter, oh, you want a woman? Any of the women on the bus? You want one of them? You could write one of them a little cliche card, but none of them could read it. (laughs) So she gets out of the car and tries to slam the door. Um, But looking at that house with her fan, she runs right back to her and right back to the open arms of Porter and to his apartment room. Ooh. Milkman and Macon are arguing in the kitchen when Corinthians returns home very early in the morning. She doesn't want to hear what they're saying because she doesn't want to, um, you know, forget about Porter. So she goes to bed um, back downstairs. They are arguing because Pilot had to get Milkman out of jail. The cops have them and guitar over as they were carrying a bag of what turned out to be human bones, not gold. It made Macon sick knowing he had to rely on his sister to get his son out of jail. She told the officers a contrived story about how she carried her dead husband's bones in a bag because she couldn't afford to bury him properly. And they gave the bones back to her. Those are actually the bones that she uh, of the body that she got from the cave. So. um,
1: Oh, is this? I think this is it because she went back to the cave. To get the bones, So
0: they were there when um, Macon first got, went into the cave, but the gold was gone. Okay. Right. But the body was still there. And then she went back yeah. and got the body. Got the, bones. got the bones. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Okay, so Milkman learns that uh, Porter is the man his sister's been secretly seeing. And he sees Porter exchange like this handshake with guitar. So he knows that Porter, too, is part of this seven-day vigilante group. And so he tells his father. Mm. Soon, Magdalene, Magdalena, um, invites Milkman to her room. Ma- Magdalene's his sister. She's like, come on up to my room. I got to tell you something. And she-, mm-hmm. come here. and she shows them a tree in the backyard. She tells him how the tree got there. We didn't go over this, but they used to take these car rides through the city so everyone could see them in a nice car. And one day they were doing this and the little boy milkman had to pee. And Lena was the only one who would take him. He got startled and peed on her (laughs) while she had like these beautiful (laughs) branches in her hand. Well, she planted one of them and it grew into a tree. And so in her heart, it made what her brother did to her as a child. Okay. Because in truth, her Mm brother, everything they did in that house was the women did around the men who lived there. They walked softly because Macon was an angry man. They, um, cooked for a milkman. They, you know, spoke softly if he was taking a nap everything was about him and he couldn't care less about them and that like culminated into the fact that he peed on her when she was a girl but the fact that this tree existed helped her to forgive him but the tree was dying and so was forgiveness she was letting him know I might kill you (laughs) I've tried before I've left soap in the bathtub (laughs) But you never fell and broke your neck. But this last um, slight having her sister's love taken away from her is too much to bear. And so Magdalene uh, might genuinely kill her brother. And she just wants him to know because that's what a loving sister does. Um, mm-hmm. well, She's not going to allow know. This, this behavior forever milkman's like wow i really do have to get out of here so he decides i'm gonna go find the gold myself maybe it's still in that cave now i'm gonna speed up this last part this final part this trek to find himself he goes from the north to the south the land his father was born in and looks for that gold uh, by himself without his dad and without guitar He falls in love, though, with his father's story as he repeats it to people looking for this cave. He falls in love with the fact that his father worked so hard to get this property and kind of sees his um, whole story now, Macon's whole story. This was a man that loved his parents that were cared for by his um, that was cared for by his father and to have his father taken away from him. um, But then to work hard and to own property in the north and to make something of yourself. Um, there was good qualities in his dad and he started to miss his family. So um, not finding the gold in the cave, he decides that, you know what, maybe Pilot still has it. And so he starts uh, making his way back north from the south. Uh, he buys a car because he's got the money and he's having car problems. So he stops and he tells a man, um, you know, maybe I'll just buy another car. He's It's a man like in a um soda shop and so the man gives him a soda and he's like what you gonna do about the car you need us to look at it there are other men in the bar and milkman's like nah maybe i'll just buy another car and this is insulting to them because one he's talking about how easily he can buy another car and because he's kind of downplaying their ability to help him fix it so one of them tries to kill him one of the younger men (laughs) decides (laughs) he needs to die (laughs) so um In this part of the book, we see that Milkman is on the edge of death very often. (laughs) Um, After he survives that, the old men in the bar are like, why don't you come hunting with us? And for some reason, he goes. (laughs) Do you know why he would? Why would you go? So I think he was ashamed because he wanted to show them that he wasn't scared of them. And then he was having car problems, so there's nowhere he could really go anyway. That's pride. That's pride, yes. Say, hey, why don't y'all just fix my car and I'll go home? I, I'd love for you to do that. But he didn't mean anything by saying said. he could buy another car. It was just an option for him. And he was saying it out loud. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah. <laughs> so um, while he's hunting, he gets separated from the older men, the posse. And um, he hears something in his ear. It's a voice. And it's telling him, oh, no, no. Say backing up. <laughs> so the soda pop man said, There was someone here looking for you. Yeah, I'm like, maybe she's getting to that. I just hold on
1: there. Okay.
0: This is before he almost died at the hands of the young man. So the soda pop man's like, I knew by the description that it was you he was looking for. And um, Milkman's like, oh, okay, what did he say? He left a message saying something like, this is your day or something. <laughs> Wish it was my day. <laughs> and Milkman's blood goes cold. This is my day. <laughs> Milkman's heart stops. But why should he fear guitar? He, he and guitar are friends. He's guitar's confidant. So uh, he goes hunting with these older gentlemen. And he hears again, this is your day. Something like that. Or -hmm. your day has come. Your day has come. Yep. And it's guitar trying to take a wire and cut his neck. But he breaks the cut with his fingers, fights guitar off. And runs, oh, and shoots his gun, right? But right. doesn't kill guitar. When he catches back up with the omen, they like, "What you shoot your gun for?" And he goes, <laughs> "Um, I was scared." <laughs> and they go, "Ah He's scared of the dark." He's like, hmm." I show it. <laughs> Right. I'm scared a lot these days. Back you got home, reason to be right. Back home, Hager dies. How does Hager die again? I couldn't figure that out. I don't know how she died. Oh, I just man. know she was dead. I actually forgot how Hagar dies. But, Did she um, kill herself?
1: Maybe. That's what I was thinking. It was suicide.
0: Oh, okay. Well, at the funeral, um, Hagar, I'm sorry, Hagar's mom, Reba, and her grandmother, Pilot, are singing and letting everyone who can hear them know that she was loved. This girl, this baby girl was loved dearly. Milkman returns home with the history he's collected by visiting the South. Pilot knocks him out because she blames him for Hagar's death. He convinces her not to kill him, but instead lets her know that those bones she's been carrying around really are her father's bones. Because when when those men shot her father into the sky, they also threw him in um, like a body of water. He floated to the top and then they threw his body in a cave. And it just so happened that that was the cave that those two children, her and her brother, were taking cover in that day. Mm. So those bones um, that you out of respect have been carrying around, those are your father's. Let's go bury him. And so they go to bury him back in the South, right? Right. Um, And then, as that's complete, Hagar gets shot in the neck. By who you say? Guitar. That bullet was aimed at Milkman. Mm. So Pilot Pilot Dallas gets shot in the neck. What did I say? Hagar sorry Hagar been dead. pilot yeah. gets shot in the neck by guitar that bullet was meant for Milkman you want my life you need it here it is Milkman tells him if you surrender to the air he thinks you can ride it Ooh. and that's how the book ends you guys yes. let's take another break shall we yes please okay Really? This book is a lot. I don't know how we would have fit in the theme of the week. What did you think of Song of Solemn by Toni Morrison and would you recommend it?
1: There was so much going on. This is one that we need That I need to add to the reread um, list down the line as I have some time to think about it because it's just so much going on. And I'm not sure all the time what's happening. Uh, all I could keep track of was dates and numbers. That's it. That's all I could keep track of because I didn't know what was going on in the book. And I, I listened to it. And um, as you learned, I found out that it was an abridged version that I had listened to. So I had to actually go back and read the book. Did you finish so, reading
0: it too? Yeah. So what were the so, difference in the abridged version that you listened to and the full book that you read? I thought that was so interesting.
1: So... Some of the conversations are cut out because you don't. I guess it's not necessarily needed to tell the full story. So, like, like in the beginning, that's when I realized that it wasn't the same. And I'm like, wait, I gotta go back and read all of that. Why is this happening? But anyway, um, so some of the conversations and maybe the descriptive things, like if you're describing um an area or the um place something happened, that wouldn't be included. That's surprises- a And They use. Those um, versions in school says that
0: oh, I hate that because that's Tony's writing. That's she put everything in there for a reason. And so much of this book is dialogue. So I couldn't imagine the story told without that essential dialogue. No character in here is just filler. It all comes back full circle stuff. I thought right. I could just toss away like Porter um, hanging out his window drunk. That was actually <laughs> crucial to uh, you know, who guitar later becomes. Mm -hmm. So what do you think this book was about?
1: So if I had to think about it, I do have to think about it. So what I'm thinking is that it surely was this flying and being free. And um, ultimately, what's his his name? Milkman's freedom and kind of finding himself and what he needs to do in life. That's kind of what that's kind of what I've come to. But again, I feel like I have to read it again because there's so much in there and the stories are interesting and you care about the characters. And like I always wanted to hear more about the sisters.
0: Yeah, but they
1: were so much older than him. So we weren't focused on the sisters. But then when we had that little piece where they talked about him when he. She peed on him, the car ride. He peed, and on, then her. Mm-hmm. He peed on her, the car ride. Um, yeah, that I got to know them a little better, but I just feel like I need to read it again for some more information and understanding about what happened in the book. But like you said, it, it's um, no character. Um, they were all a central part of the story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that kind of kept me engaged because I, I wanted to know what happened to them especially pilot, especially Haggard, because I don't know. I really don't know. I thought she committed. She killed herself, but I'm not completely sure. I have to go back and reread that.
0: Yeah, I've actually so it was forgotten. Interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: So what about you? I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I would definitely read it again because it's, it's a lot of stuff that's going on in people's heads. That's not really happening. Yeah, I saw that a couple of times. I was like, that's not actually happening. She, she didn't see that. She didn't. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But that's what she's feeling like has occurred.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, this book is very much about uh, life and living and what that means. How can you live if you don't know who you are to go your, um, you know, 20 years of your life thinking your mother is a perverse woman because you didn't bother looking at her as a human to ask her her story. (laughs) He didn't like his mother, he said he. Didn't have love for her. So before her, his dad told him that about his mom, um, he loved her as much as he could love a woman. He didn't have as any interest he in her. No. Um, and there are, to me, certain symbolisms in this book. Um,
1: men ur- I wouldn't say he was a, a, um, a mama's boy by any stretch of the imagination.
0: So there are a couple of scenes where uh, men are urinating on women, whether it yeah. be the little boy who accidentally peed on his sister or um porter hanging out of the window there's some um sexual um gender uh there's like a gender battle here where the women are um stifled or ignored or uh paraded and then um shamed that's actually uh what lena says her father has done to her her entire life paraded and yeah. shamed her um right. so that's an in- interesting um conversation there about how can you live fully when you are um, hindered by this, like, dark cloud over you, uh, which are the men in your life? Even the grandma that comes to Macon's um, office and is like, what good is it going to do you to kick me and my family out? Right. She was collateral to him, to his growth, to his status. Um, that's all he cared about. And no one in, in this book could really... Um, live until they knew who they were and bit down into that. So Milkman goes to the South to find who he is. Um, He thinks he's going for this gold, but maybe the gold was knowledge of like his people and where his people came from. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot. So, but you've read this multiple times, right? Well, I was a little girl when I read this book and this is
1: only my second time reading it. So So now you're reading it as an adult.
0: Yeah. And I wasn't. um, There are some pilot is very much into um, spiritism. And though it doesn't go uh, deeply into her practices, she is um, a very like bohemian type of um, person. So uh, there were some things I didn't like about what she thought her dad told her from beyond the grave. I didn't like that. (laughs) It gave me the heebies and the jeebies. I didn't like it. And even oh. though, um, you know, she wasn't clear on her thinking, I didn't like that part at all. Um, mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, um, or I should say, aside from that, uh, I just felt like Tony's language about the world. This is something that came up in Sula too. She describes the world you're reading so well, where you feel like you're there. And the thoughts of the children. She even describes um, with accuracy for, you know, a little a black or brown girl or boy you you might um read some of her um dialogue like yeah that feels like something that people would say she's got a great way of writing conversations which is why i don't know how an abridged version could take out the conversations they're so great um and then guitar was um doing these killings of white people because he felt like they had taken something unnaturally from him um you know, Negro lives. But then when he thought that Milkman was taking something that should have belonged to him, this gold, then Milkman's life became negligible, you know?
1: And that's what he said. That's what he told him.
0: And Milkman was like, well, why did you warn me that you was going to come kill me? He's like, because I'm your friend, because I love you. (laughs) (laughs) My man, thanks. (laughs) Yeah, so... Yeah, there there's a lot going on in this book. Um, this is probably one of the, I would say, the best novels I've ever read. Um, the way she develops characters and worlds, um, just awe, awe-inspiring to me. Um, yeah, Tony is amazing. And I'm talking in circles because I really don't know where to put my finger on this book. <laughs> it's a lot. And- It's heavy and it just happens to you. (laughs) You're reading it and the story just happens to you. It is a page turner too, because every sub story you have to pay attention to and you want to know how it's going to end, but the book never really ends. No, the way that ends, I'm like, wait, uh,
1: uh, huh? Mm hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And, And that's it. So it's about freedom. What is it about? What? What? Find your <laughs> what? Find your family. What? I don't know what this book is about. I it's don't. about
0: a lot of things. And I, that's I OK. So I don't know if I'd recommend it, but I'll say I thoroughly enjoyed reading Song of Solomon um, some parts more than others. And I love how um, Tony's books just completely swallow you in the story. And then you come on the other side like, wait, what? And days later you like, oh my goodness. And then years later, you like, ooh. (laughs) So yeah. Well, thank you for saying that
1: because I'm telling you, I was just like, what just happened here? Mm -hmm. I I mean, is this story over? Is there a part two?
0: Yeah. It's not. It's not. I'm just left here but everyone wants to be free and they want to live even if it's for that brief moment when they're flying milkman gets so depressed when he learns that people can't fly like birds do and then the insurance man takes a flight by jumping off of the house and then uh, at the end when milkman decides to let guitar you know whatever happened happened uh he decides that you know if you surrender to the air you can ride it which is flying so why Mm -hmm. run from people um yeah let life happen to you
1: but kind of like, that's what he did. Like when he kind of was like, come on, if you're going to kill me,
0: Hagar, come and kill me. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm just. But he never thought like, Hagar was going to kill him. Right. Guitar is going to kill him. <laughs> that, that, Guitar friend. is a murderer, so he's going to kill you.
1: And he explained that to him. But you know, you you know, you could just switch this anytime you want to. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not a murderer. Because that's you know, unnatural. <laughs> I don't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. But he like. The way the story reads, he like keep guitar felt like that was old to him. Like, how dare you yeah. leave me out of that? But he's like, well, man, it, it wasn't no gold anyway. Mm-hmm. What, what are you talking about? But he had his mind set on something. And the way that I found out about um, Ruth's story, it, that immediately came back to me like, oh, OK, that's what it is. He was so disgusted by the idea that her father birthed his child, um, his grandchildren that he just knew it was a horrible, uh, you know, something and the, in- and the investment that. money
0: his father in law wouldn't give him. And I didn't really consider that at all. I just
1: considered the fact that he felt like that was the most disgusting thing,
0: and the fact that his he didn't have domination over his wife when it came to her father. And she was oh, gonna let her, true. so that's true. You know, th- he felt like that was owed to him. Um, right. So yeah, that's similar to Guitar feeling like this gold that didn't actually exist existed and was being stolen from him because he already had these thoughts in his mind about Milkman. So why yeah. not let this be true too? Yeah, that's just. I like, mean,
1: he was like, "Why do not you just follow the the package? Because mm-hmm. you could just follow it and see that there's nothing in it. Mm-hmm. I was just helping the man at the store." Mm-hmm. It's and just, the
0: futility in all of their actions, even the fact that Macon was born dead and, the, and that his name was Macon dead um, and all yeah. his children were born as deads, um, the futility of their, uh, yeah, their their lives w- when death is inevitable. That's so dark. <laughs> but, yeah,
1: there is a um kind of, <laughs> oh, there's a statement in there about death. Oh, I wish I remembered it. I'm going to have to look gotta it You got to
0: read it again.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I do got to read it again. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's it. That's the book, you guys. Thanks for the review. We appreciate it, Kari. Thanks for sharing that one with us. So what are we reading
0: next week, Kari? Stamped Racism, Anti-Racism, and You um, by Ibram X, Kendi, and Jason Reynolds. That is the book
1: we will be digesting next week, folks. So thank you for listening to Lit Society. We'll be here next Thursday. Join us. (laughs) Lit Society is brought to you by Alexis Honoria and Kari Herrera. That's me. Support the cause by leaving a five-star review for our show on Apple Podcasts, along with a comment about why you absolutely love us. We love, you. we love you guys. If you've enjoyed what you just heard, tell a friend about Lit Society. Visit LitSocietyPod.com for show notes this month's book list and to sign up for our amazing email newsletter. And until next time, readers, read, read something.
0: something.